0: This is Season 2, Episode 5, and you're listening to Yours, Mine, Nope, Ours. Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. And this week we're talking abortion. So this episode has been a long time coming. I've had some requests for it. I've been thinking about it myself, but I feel like I really just wanted to... Know where I was like I where I wanted to come from with this episode and come with information you know like I didn't necessarily want to just sit here and tell you abortion is you know healthcare and just leave it there like let's talk about it so first of all what is Roe and Wade right because every time we're talking about abortion this is like almost a pivotal um linchpin if you will um to the whole. The whole thing, shebang. So, the legal decision that was struck down as a Texas statute banning abortion was considered a landmark decision in January 1973, right? And why? Because it effectively legalized the procedure across the United States. So, this was not any more a state-by-state decision, but federal. And the court ruled that a woman's right to abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protection by the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. So it wasn't that the U.S. had never allowed abortions. That's important to note. Before the late 19th century, it was honestly considered legal, right? So if you had the procedure um, before the quickening, which they describe as a point where a woman could first feel movements of the fetus, this is typically around the fourth month of pregnancy. So you were allowed to have an abortion just as long as it was before that. Let me set the scene for you. This is the late 1850s, and we have the newly established American Medical Association starting to encourage the criminalization of abortion, right? And it's been said that it was really in an effort to eliminate doctors' competitors, right? And who would have been the competitors at the time? We're talking midwives and homopaths. So really, we're looking at that, like, almost natural way of life. And I think that's kind of ironic, right? Not, sorry, natural, but in terms of, like, it doesn't have to be from mainstream medicine. And I think it's ironic because what often, um, like, midwives and homeopaths, like, this natural, we're, we're going back to the natural way of life. Who were the people doing it beforehand? Who came into these countries and these land masses that they colonized and started to enforce their, you know, chemical medicines on people? Hmm. I don't know. Just think about that. It's important to understand that because of the growing population of immigration, there was a push by white America, right? People who were born there to make sure that their birth rate wasn't decreasing, right? So for the white population, they were like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like we're dying out, which I think is kind of funny because I feel like I heard the same sentiment during um, Trump's like presidential era, like this worry that you know, white America was disappearing and it was being replaced. First of all, um, isn't that a little weird um, to be sitting here worried about white America when we know not just America, but like the white population has like done to the world. We're always hearing these things like the planet is dying and like, Oh, you know we're so sorry, and all these things like they weren't actions done to the land and the people that live here versus like some uncontrollable effect of time. You know it's really important to point out that their worry was false white America it wasn't leaving I mean is white America still here and it's very popular. <laughs> At this time, in about 1969, the Catholic Church banned abortion at any stage of pregnancy. And this is followed by Congress passing the Comstock Law in 1873, which made it illegal to distribute contraceptives and abortion-inducing drugs through the U.S. Mail, which was then followed by the 1880s, where abortion was outlawed across the majority of the country. Now you might say to me, Zoya, why so many dates? You hate dates, we hate dates, one after another. And they're all in the 80s, so I'm a little confused. Okay, I lied. It's not all in the 80s. We have a 1973. But why? Why, Zoya? Well, I think often when we talk about legislative changes that are happening, we act like sometimes they're in a vacuum all by itself. That, for instance, this overturning of Roe and Wade is just... The U.S., it's just happening at this point in time, and it's not going to affect other things. And Black and brown activists have been saying for forever, really, that when we start taking away agency and the right to choose in um, fundamental spaces like this, it's only a domino effect, right? Like these things are going to continue to influence other things, right? We start by banning abortion at any stage of pregnancy. Then we make it illegal to distribute contraceptives and abortion inducing drugs, right? Like, and then next thing you know, abortion is outlawed over the majority of the country. This is a domino effect of reactions to what's happening. It's almost like, give me an inch and I'm gonna take another inch and then I'm gonna take a mile. And so I think it's important when we're talking about Roe and Wade to talk about who Jane Roe was right? So the story goes that a Texan woman in her early 20s, she sought out to terminate an unwanted pregnancy and this is happening in about 1969. So her name was Norma McCorvey and because of her economic status, she didn't want to have any more pregnancies. And also on top of the fact of not wanting to have pregnancies, she would already given up her first two to adoption, right? So while abortion wasn't illegal at this time, they were only used in the purpose of saving a woman's life. So it's estimated that 200,000 to 1.2 million illegal abortions were performed per year in the 1950s to the 1960s, right? So her efforts in obtaining an abortion at the time, both legal and otherwise, were not successful, right? But what did happen was she was referred to a Texan attorney. Sorry, she was referred to two Texan attorneys. So she was named Jane Roe in the court documents that would challenge the anti-abortion law by Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, right? And so in the 80s, I think it's also important to note that Norma was very active in in the abortion rights movement. Um, And so then we have Henry Wade. Who was that? Just like a man. (laughs) Sorry, you know I love saying that. But just like a man to do this, to fight against women. Ugh. Um, so he was an attorney who was determined to prosecute any doctor who performed abortion, right? So um, I think that's all we need to know about him. <laughs> he worked hard, but not hard enough because Coffee and Weddington, they did what they had to do and they got it done. So at the time, Justice Harry Blackmun wrote, uh, the majority opinion, uh, declared that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy that was protected by the 14th amendment. So at this time, the court did divide pregnancy into three trimesters, declaring that the choice, um, to end a pregnancy in the first trimester was solely up to the woman, right? And this followed by having the second trimester be regulated by the government. However, in the third trimester, the state could prohibit abortion to protect the fetus that could survive on its own outside of the womb except when a woman's health was in danger. And so let's talk about Canada's version. So Canada doesn't currently have any laws regarding abortion, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have its own history with the policing of reproductive rights. And that, my friends, is it. Reproductive rights. That is what we were really talking about. These. Abortion, sterilization, um, insemination. (laughs) Sorry, I'm thinking about Jane the Virgin. Um, All this is really about reproductive rights. And so during the 1969, the Liberal government permitted abortion under certain circumstances, which meant that they could only be accessed if a committee of doctors cited that continuing the pregnancy might endanger the woman's life or health. So access isn't universal, right? Like we had land-based traditional medicines that were commonly used for events and pregnancies prior to colonization. And it was early settlers that considered these reproductive knowledges illegal and discounted their validity, right? So there are basically three major barriers that prevent Indigenous peoples from accessing abortion, right? So this includes knowledge. Um, this could be the steps that involve getting an abortion, right, etc., the process, etc., How does it work? Geography, right? Being located in rural or remote communities make it much harder to travel to mostly like cities to receive an abortion. And even finances. How are we paying for the abortion? How are we getting to the abortion? And how are we accessing the knowledge that we need to understand our abortion? Finances are important, okay, guys? Like whenever people tell you money doesn't matter, just ask them if they have money. (laughs) And they'll probably say yes. Money matters, okay? We live in a capitalist society. Of course, money matters. So Canada, our dark past, our dark present really, but let's talk about the Sexual Sterilization Act. So this act was passed by the Legislative Assembly of Alberta on March 21st, 1928. This was considered the first eugenic sterilization law in Canada. Um, don't know if I... Totally agree with that because um, we do know the history of Canada and how they are constantly policing bodies. Um, so yeah, this act targeted individuals living in designated states, uh, institutions that had what was considered undesirable traits. With this legislation came the creation of eugenics boards That sole purpose was to make decisions about sterilization candidates the Provincial University, which is University of Alberta, the Medical Association, and two non-medical persons that were nominated by the Lieutenant government nominated the two medical practitioners. That was who made up the board. Its act also outlined the conditions required for the sterilization process, and that included two conditions that have now been recounted, but I'm gonna read you a few of the conditions that they had. A An individual being an inmate proposed for release of a mental hospital. B. An individual recommended the eugenics board by medical superintendent of the hospital. C. The eugenics board decided that an individual is at risk of having children with disabilities such that the surgery would eliminate the transmission of such an evil. And D, the consent of either the individual or, where not possible, a guardian or representative is acquired. So the legislation um, specified that physicians or surgeons who perform sterilization surgeries could not be held civilly or criminally liable. With these conditions, the legislation authorized that sterilization can take place. And so records offer that 4,800 people were authorized for sterilization under the Act, with more than 2,800 persons sterilized under its mandate and its two amendments. So the Act was only repealed in 1972 by the newly elected provincial government. I mentioned the sterilization that happened with this Act that Alberta passed because the conversation about abortion is a reproductive rights issue, right? Like, point blank period. This is a health issue, and if we're going to talk about fair access, if we're going to be talking about the right to choose, if we're going to be talking about my choice, my body, and all these cute slogans that we throw out, then the forcing of sterilization is just as harmful as the criminalization of abortion. The right to choose has been stripped away. The choice you have over your body has been taken away from you. And I think that we, even more than that, need to talk about this issue like it's not some futuristic movie plot. And I'm really talking about a specific demographic that we see posting on like TikTok, for instance, joking about, well, if you saw, you know, the protests before, be prepared for this one. How invalidating is it to hear that you fighting for your life, the protests that would ask that, hey, don't kill us simply for... The skin that we have is just one of those other protests. Pardon? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of you had the Black Lives Matter BLM in your bio. And now it's another one of those protests. Like if this is just some cycle that comes up every now and again, be prepared for these ones. To be honest, it's been a couple weeks. Haven't seen them. Haven't seen them. Haven't heard about them. Where are these protests that are oh they're gonna be worse than the other ones that we saw? And were you not the same people demonizing the distribution of wealth? <laughs> Sorry, my friend said I should work in PR. You know the oh they're looting and robbing the distribution of wealth is what it was. Um, you know because it's at these companies. Oh, let me show you how I steal from Walmart. I see those videos. I see you. Until it's, no, but this is wrong. There's other ways to protest. Hmm. Guys, I used to work in retail. Obviously, people steal. But listen, the stores I worked in, I didn't see as many black and brown people coming in. So the people who were stealing from my store, they happened to have been from a different demographic, okay? And so we are so quick to label. Also... Who is, who is the king of stealing colonization, okay? People need to be not so quick to open their mouths and point fingers. People in glass houses should not throw stones, as they say. But based on the opinion draft written by Justice Samuel Alito, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the Roe and Wade decision. This means that there is no longer federal constitutional protection of abortion rights. And so after the draft was circulated, Justice John Roberts confirmed, sorry, confirmed the authenticity of the document, right? So he also confirmed that there would be an investigation into the disclosure. And I quote, to the extent that this betrayal of the confidence of the court was intended to undermine the integrity of our operations, it will not succeed. The work of the court will not be affected in any way. Can we just say that I thought it was uh, iconic? That, and I can say this because I'm, I'm, I'm living in Canada. <laughs> I thought it was iconic the way that the Supreme Court's addresses were being leaked by, um, as they like to say, Gen Z, but whoever, because they don't believe in the right to privacy, as far as I'm concerned. My choice, my body. Guess what? We get to decide that we know where you live. Now people are showing up to your houses. I thought it was iconic. I did. I did. Don't, don't hate me for it. I did. I thought it was iconic because, um, I think that a lot of times people who make decisions that affect people that they know nothing about, or they care to know nothing about. Um, I think that they pretend that they're all powerful and that their decisions are the good we need in the world, you know, little to no effect. I am above it all. And in that moment, When your safety was challenged the same way that people who access um abortion safety is challenged when they have to choose you know um and i'm saying illegal not in terms of morally right or wrong but the fact that we have a set of laws put in front of us but they have to go to illegal you know abortions that tend to be unsafe right like here we are talking about lives potentially being lost and people are having to take their medical care in their own hands. And so they are unsafe. And now you are unsafe. And does that bring you maybe just a tiny bit closer to understanding that community work needs to happen? Right? Like, and I think it's also important, sorry, I think it's also important to note that when we talk about access to abortion and the fact that, like, abortion is illegal, the 1%, the rich, the people who have money, they will always have access to those things. They will always be able to fly to another country, for instance, or pay whoever they need to, or, you know, be in the right circles, have the connections to get what they need. And so who then is getting affected? Jane Rowe, right? the Jane Rose of this world. And that right there is not a universal law anymore or a federal, like, right? Like I'm saying universal in terms of the whole nation. That then becomes something that like the criminal court, if you can afford not to feel the effects of it, then you won't have to. And so I've seen a lot of people on TikTok talking about, oh, we're gonna show up to protest just as like warriors. First of all, The cultural appropriation we would see from that. Let's not. But I think that this is similar in the way that the pussy hats caused harm, right? First of all, these hats came as a response to the leak of Donald Trump's Axis Hollywood tape, right? So in the tape, he states, you know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. First of all, ew, like sickening, ew. But that's where the hats came from, right, that that phrase. And I think it's important to note that not all women have vaginas, right? So here we are, here we are. Same with the reproductive rights, we almost, Create it like it's a women's issue, but it's a reproductive rights issue. And the more we forget and exclude people, the less effective our advocacy is. Right? We see so many people saying how grateful they are to live in Canada, yet we don't have universal access. So here we are saying abortion is great in Canada, but if we don't have universal access and we are forgetting people, then the advocacy that we are doing for reproductive rights is less effective. Why? Because we're not talking about everybody. And so as soon as this is not for everybody, then it's not for humans, right? Like it's not human right anymore. It's a me, I deserve, it's my privilege. And so I'd like to end this by saying, I have stopped encouraging the idea that the best way to regulate pregnancies is to enforce vasectomies. So yes, I am kind of talking about a heterosexual like relationship in this case, but I think that the idea that we even want to police and control other bodies because our bodies is being controlled the ide- ideology honestly sounds a lot like forced sterilization, right? The controlling of bodies is very reminiscent for me of forced breeding, right? That white slave masters were practicing. Having Black women raped so that they could increase the slave population. This, to me, is the other side of the same coin. And so this was this week's episode. Thank you for listening and I really and truly hope you enjoyed. Make sure to follow us on our socials. That's Black Sprout on Instagram and Twitter b-l-c-k-s-p-r-o-u-t make sure to join the newsletter check our link tree um you can sign up through there message me i could add you personally as always please interact with the podcast let your thoughts be heard share the podcast with people every time i hear that i had a few people tell me the other day that they um were telling somebody about the podcast and they started listening to it When you guys do that, it makes me smile, okay? When I see the numbers of listeners grow, it really encourages me to continue doing this and to continue putting out episodes and to continue to do the research and, like, try to put out good content. And as always, please let your thoughts be heard. Message me. Hit me up. Uh, My inbox is always open. And stay tuned for the next one. Bye!